You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Varvara Kedan Shavrova. Varvara, thanks so much for being with me today. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you. Varvara, I know you're in Berlin now. It's August 24th um, in 2021. What's, what's the situation there now? And just in terms of the pandemic, things opening up, it seems different everywhere. But how are things in, in Berlin at the moment? Yeah, that uh, much better than uh, how it was when I arrived. I arrived here on the 3rd of April um, at the height of the lockdown. Um, I was doing a sort of informal artist residency. And um, considering how it was during April and May when it was really very closed off and people seemed very scared and literally Berlin seemed like another city, completely deserted, no people in the streets, day or night. Um, you couldn't meet anybody. So it was very strange spring. It was also incredibly cold, uh, untypically cold for Berlin for those months because normally I would come for Berlin Art Week uh, in September and Berlin Gallery Weekend in May. And Literally this May, it was been and gone. Nobody really noticed it happening. And there were some very small openings where people had to sign in, you know, to book online, come in with just more than, not more than one or two people in the galleries. So it was a very strange time to have arrived in Berlin. So in comparison to that, on August 24th, 2021, it's much, much better. Um, the weather has improved. It's no longer freezing cold as it was untypically, as I said, when I arrived. Um, and it has opened up. So all the museums, all the galleries have been open. Um, you no longer need to present your tests going in. So, you know, it's, it's fine. But um, it's also kind of, I think people are wary of what's going on so for example in uk masks are no longer required i believe in some places in america in new york masks are no longer required here they're very much required on public transport and shops and people still are very militant about it only the way that germans can be militant about rules so you know that's still a little bit kind of seems over the top really because a lot of people are vaccinated um but um, I think it's a national character, and I think pandemic also shows people's national character and maybe not the best side of it. Um, so, so that's how it is. Um, otherwise, of course, you know, the weather makes things much nicer. Everybody is sitting outside. Um, I was out on the first day when they reopened the cafes and restaurants, and you could book and eat. And um, it was really quite a quite a celebration when it was uh, absolutely full the city was full of people um and that was obviously a couple of months ago so um it's getting back to normal in terms of clubs as well that that's berlin is famous for you can go clubbing and some of it is a little bit scary how people are just kind of jam-packed but other other places are more um normal and more careful so so it's i suppose it's fine um what I'm aware of as well is the other day uh, an issue of New Yorker has arrived. I think it was that week, um, not this week, but the week before, and it had a great cover in it. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a collection of dogs and this big hand stretched out with a big fancy bone, 
and yes, the administration the inside the summer treat, and it just made me totally burst because I just see that like last summer was the same, and it's just playing on human nature that you know it's it's fine now and we all forget and we don't really do so many things that we maybe should be doing because everything is going to close down again. But maybe it isn't. Maybe it's different because people are vaccinated. Last summer they were not. But there is a certain, I think for me definitely, I have this slightly weary sense that summer is coming to an end. Days are coming colder. We're asked to go inside more. And it's just like, you know, like we're managed. Um, And Mm -hmm. I do not like that. However, this is what it is right now. I think that is kind of similar across the world, no matter where you are. Yeah, that's true. And and what are you working on in, in your studio? Is it in a dream? What's what's happening with your work right now? Okay, so in a dream is actually the last large scale work that I have made before the pandemic and since the, the whole thing has started and sort of changed our lives quite dramatically as visual artists. So you know the been very little opportunities to show but um, I was still making work just on different scale and since I have been here um, it it has been quite slow for for various reasons I think many artists found that during particularly the lockdown periods it sort of feels like you have got the whole time in the world to sit in the studio and do nothing else but it's just this void that um, is not where the creativity comes from. I don't think we're filling the void with our creativity. And the sheer presence of this really scary void, I don't think was conducive to making stuff. Certainly it wasn't for me and it wasn't for many people. So it's really just now in the last, like the last month almost, I felt very much over the worst period of waiting. And, you know, the shows are starting to be put in the calendar. They're actually physically starting to happen. So suddenly became very busy for me in terms of what shows I'm doing and what is being planned. And so I started making work finally on a decent scale. I have been doing something quite small. Um, and the work has been still uh, following on through from the theme of Inner's Dream, which is, um, I guess, the dream of flight, the dream of aviation. But also uh, referring to a slightly more sinister side of flight, which is um, surveillance. And I was looking at um, drone surveillance that is used, obviously, um, also in in the military that, you know, we're so very much aware of, uh, considering what's happening in Afghanistan right now. Um, So I'm looking at the kind of elements of surveillance that also are represented by flight, Um, And starting with small embroidered pieces based on drones, both domestic and um, then, as I say, going into the uh, domain of the military and the surveillance drones. Um, The the next kind of big piece of work that I'm working on right now is um, a knitted parachute. So I'm working with a a Japanese knitter who is doing the actual knitting on the machine and... um, it's quite amazing. I have got a few sections here in front so of someone, me. So, and, so wait, wait, um, tell me more about this. this. This is a new project, and you're making a yes. parachute. We, we, were, we were talking about just now about embroidery to different kinds of, of weavings. Um, and in this dream, yes. you were creating wool yes. carpets and, and using canvas and yes. thread. You, you're yes. talking now about using um, – you're making a large parachute. Tell me a little bit about that and, and the size yes, of it yeah, and what so that is. That sounds fantastic. Yes, I mean, this, it is going to be huge. Um, it's um, The diameter when stretched is going to be um, nearly seven meters um, as a circle. 
and um, it's um, made in sections. So it's knitted on the knitting machine, um, as I say, with the help of, of a person who, who um, does the actual knitting. It's made from merino wool. And then um, it's going to be embroidered by me. It's, mer- um, it's with, merino wool. Uh, the entire thing is made of merino wool, you said. Yes, the is, entire yeah. thing is made of merino wool, and then it's going to be embroidered um, with drones. So those small drones that I've been working on very slowly throughout the pandemic as of from you know, March 2020, um, now are going to make their way, the images of drones are going to be Im- embroidered on the parachute, and they're going to be, uh, the parachute itself is a very beautiful set of colors. It's kind of from lighter yellow to medium uh, cadmium, sort of orange-yellow to quite strong orange and red. And how and large is this? How large drone, is this parachute? It's, it's... As, as I said, it's nearly seven meters diameter, so it's huge. Oh, seven meters. Wow, wow. Right, so yeah, it's over 20 meters. feet. So, yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, the drones are going to be about half a meter, um, each of them, and they're going to be embroidered, and they're going to be like those gorgeous uh, different variations of reds and black. And I'm also using lustre, so like um, uh, the shiny material in the thread of the embroidery. So the embroidery part I haven't started yet, but I have it very clear in my head how it's going to look. And the way I'm going to install it is going to be like hovered off the gallery ceiling, um, almost like, like a trampoline that's quite high up and stretched like a skin, like an animal skin from sides um, uh, of the walls of the gallery. So you basically will be standing under it like a canopy, looking up and seeing this amazing parachute with drones embroidered on it. Um, and also what is interesting about it is that the pattern that is being woven, it's not just any random pattern, but it's uh, based on the uh, NASA rover parachute that was used on the rover landing on Mars just recently. So the message that is coded by the scientists onto that parachute says, uh, dare mighty things, and so does mine, minus the numbers. So it does and it doesn't say that. Um, so it's kind of quite, I think it's quite an exciting thing that I'm making. And um, it was meant to be actually made specifically for an exhibition that I'm curating um, and um, doing with uh, three other artists, one British artist and two American artists, um, that was planned to open on the 21st of October in um, a gallery in New York, in Tribeca. But because we have European passports, we cannot travel and we have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And unfortunately, in the end of last week, we decided that we are not going to be waiting anymore. And so the show will have to be postponed until next year when um, American government hopefully will allow people with European passports to actually travel to America. So um, so, so, so right now, anyone with a European passport cannot travel to America. I didn't, I didn't know that. It doesn't matter whether you're vaccinated or not, you can't travel America? No, and it's not just just European passports, also British, Russian, it's, it's kind of the whole re- range of countries. But yeah, basically none of the Europeans or Brits or Irish can travel to America at all. And, um, you know, it's just really quite, quite annoying, but uh, there's nothing we can do. And also it gives me more time 
to, to work on this parachute because also in September, which is in a couple of weeks, I'm starting my PhD research at the Royal College of Art in London um, because I have received a full scholarship for my three-year research project. And therefore, this parachute is, is going, and this work is going to be kind of very nicely segueing in into the beginning of my uh, PhD program by practice. So actually, I'm very happy that I'm not stressing out about um, a commercial gallery show, but instead, um, this work is just going to be taken as long as it takes, and I'm going to really enjoy embroidering those drones, and then I'm going to experiment with all kinds of ways of um, possibly presenting this work alongside a number of other pieces that come from the same series. And so I'm, I'm feeling very very much sort of excited and on the right path um, in terms of my work and where I am um, and also ready for the next stage, which is going to be um, the PhD in London. That's exciting. And tell me a little bit more about the, the you know, the, the narrative, the message of that, how this will um, be presented to the, the audience. I mean, you explained how it will be hung. Um, but but what, yeah. is the, what is the what is the message of, of this piece? What is the the narrative? Yeah, I think I think the, the, the narrative um, is being developed as I'm working on it. Um, it. It's very much like the idea comes first, then I work with it. The idea then changes quite significantly, and then it sort of does the full circle and arrives um, almost uh, where I've started, but not quite. So. Um, the general idea, the interest in the representation of flight um, in my work, it also really started during my master's, which I did in Goldsmiths. And um, in my master's thesis, I explored ideas of uh, dream worlds and flight and how um, the dream on, and the dream worlds of uh, utopia and dystopia can be represented, have been represented historically by artists. Um, that were interested in flight and flying. For example, Tatlin, Tatlin and uh, um, the right. Russian and the Soviet avant-garde artists who have dreamt about flight because, of course, they were developing their work and ideas of revolution during the time when the flight was a revolution, too. Um, and also, like, Ina's Dream is a project that's very strongly connected to my family history because the airplane that I've knitted out of carpet is not just any random plane, but it has been designed by my... Um, great uncle, who was an engineer and um, uh, one of the first uh, um, uh, people to work in the uh, in the context of the um, Soviet air airplane engineering, and he actually designed the first Soviet amphibious plane, on which the um, carpet, the flying carpet that will never fly, um, in his dream um, airplane, um, is based. So I guess. Um, this parachute is a continuity of that theme um, that explores the dream worlds of flight, but also in the context of today. And um, my uh, PhD research uh, proposal is entitled Dream Worlds of Flight in the Age of Surveillance Capitalism. So I'm looking much more, honing in into, into current situations. So, for example, the work I described uh, that features drones, uh, looks at surveillance and surveillance mechanism represented by the flying objects, which are unmanned, but yet are entirely controlled by man. Um, and so parachute is, I guess, it's a great connector between, the, between um, uh, an airplane and, and um, so, so the object that flies, but then 
it's a kind of escape route. It's also a safety uh, mechanism um, that connects uh, the flying machine, the person that, or people who are um, jumping or escaping or, or uh, being saved by the parachute. Um, and then the earth. Um, so it's kind of, a, to, to me, it's a great symbol of a connection, but then of course also um, the link with the um, space exploration and the kind of message that um, I find is really curious that there is a message that's encoded into um, the parachute that lands the rover on Mars and, you know, lots of questions to ask why, but also I have lots of questions to ask about the purpose of exploration of Mars. Is it um, pure science? Um, is it going to be um, useful to someone or is it going to be yet another um, opportunity to um, uh, draw uh, resources and basically bring the system that's failing on Earth in this kind of dystopian way um, to interplanetary um, uh, occupation? And that's, you know, uh, it's as utopian as it is a dystopian proposition. You know, why are people like Branson and Bezos are so determined to fly to to Mars and to to kind of connect their uh, commercial flights to intergalactic or inter uh, cosmic or interplanetary travel. You know, I have lots of questions about that. And you know, is it is it really an extension of capitalism out there, or is it uh, really the aim of it is um, scientific and therefore quite dreamy? So yeah. Uh, only, only a little handful. <laughs> and 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 you mentioned, which was so interesting, kind of the the, the message that's on things like I don't know who was the Mars lander or, or, or these other kind of interplanetary, uh, you know, kind of explorations. And I think that's what you're saying that sometimes mm-hmm. there are these, uh, you know, as, as you're doing, literally like a kind of a message written in there, a kind of uh, um, words that you you as as you said. You, you didn't go into it more, but you were saying, you know, that, that that's another issue. Why are those kind of words there? What do they mean? What is that for? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I guess, you know, like, oh, why are we making art? Are we sending messages to who? To people, to our public, to people in the street? But what kind of messages do they have? Like, 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 where are these messages embedded? You mean on, uh, on, on, on spaceships? On, on, on what? Uh, yeah, I don't know about spaceships because I don't research spaceships, but certainly Mars Rover had this message. And, you know, if you look at any article on the Internet, that's one of the first things they say, that the pattern is not just random. It's the message. That's a coded message. Um, and what is so, the message? Like, what is what, what kind of a coded message? What is that? It says, dare mighty things. Dare mighty things? Yeah. Hmm. And what is that from? Yeah, I then, know. I, <laughs> where is that from? You mean, is it a quote? Um, I don't know. I don't think it's a quote. Oh, dare um, mighty things. Dare mighty things. Is that, yeah. Yeah. No, so nobody knows what you this can so re- that's you can, Well, you know, like, who's going, who, who's going to read that? Is it, is it like, is it the ego of the person who is designing this parachute for Mars Rover? that is so big that it needs to project itself into cosmos, just like the ego of Richard Branson. You know, like, who, who are those people who are making those uh, messages, and, and why are they doing it? I mean, I'm questioning all that. And, and you know, like... And, of course, and of course it's, right. It's, it would be, um, 
Yeah, it's what it's, yeah. And you, 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 your 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 work, of course, parallels this. This is a parachute. This is also has a, a message in it that that um, yeah, but that makes us ask, what's you going see, like, on mine, here? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, it's not exactly correct. You know, it's not quite correct. And also, because I'm an artist, I have artistic license, so I take something that's there, but I change it. Of course. So it's no longer and so, that. And so, it's what no is your say? So, so there are words in your parachute, right? What do the words say? Well, there are no words. There's, there's no words as no. in written text uh, because right. it's, it's patterns and, and, and colors. And so I will not have anything, uh, you know, that's like a narrative that's woven into it. Um, but also don't forget that my carpet that is, a par- that is an airplane, it will never fly. It's a parody on this sort of masculine mm. Um, power that is associated with military um, apparatuses that fly and quite often destroy people's lives by throwing bombs on it or, or um, you know, drones that go uh, unmanned and destroy the whole uh, villages. Uh, and the parachute as well, it's made out of wool, you know, like it will never ever save anybody. If you try to jump with my parachute, you most certainly will get killed. So there is a certain element, there's a very strong element of, you know, yes, it's a pun on the masculinity of those things that are uh, supposed to mean safety and supposed to give us better life and supposed to allow us to travel. But I turn them into those kind of comfort objects which are made out of domestic materials carpets is what inhabit our homes and you know merino wool is what we wear usually in our jumpers or you know we have comfy blankets so there is that element as well because i'm a woman i'm I'm working with this you know um ultimately you know traditionally female um uh, sort of materials like thread and i'm weaving or i'm uh, embroidering or i'm sewing I'm doing all this, but then I'm making those kind of uh, uh, spots on, on um, military objects. So there is all of that in there as well, a certain kind of feminist perspective that I'm kind of taking a piss and I'm making those things beautiful, but entirely um, impractical. Thank you. That, that's so clear and, um, and also beautiful. I, I, I want to ask you one more question, which is what are you reading at the moment? Um, I'm reading actually um, a Russian translation of Rainer Maria Rilke collection of poems. Um, uh, he was not German, he was Austrian, um, but I'm really interested in him. And my next project um, is probably going to be um, engaged with one of his poems. Uh, so apart from all this work with fabric or not fabric, but fiber and thread and um, uh, tactile materials and haptic materials. I'm also still uh, working with um, video, and um, now I'm actually working also on my first animation um, that sort of holds part of the narrative that I told you about military and surveillance and so on. So um, I think the Real Care book is is a kind of source material for possibly the next video uh, film. Uh, projection. I'm, I'm thinking right now. So I'm reading and thinking and kind of thinking ahead because before this starts, I certainly will finish the book, but before I start doing anything, I need to finish this gigantic parachute and then also probably will plan the show in New York sometime next year as well. 
Well, I, I look forward to that, and um, there'll be links in here, of course, to this some of the things we've been talking about. And I want to I want to thank you, Barbara, for your time and your work. Uh, I really appreciate it, and thank you so much. Well, you're very welcome. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.